All right, gang, so just a quick heads up. Uh, instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audiobook, instead I went ahead and compiled all 10 years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. You'd be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, back and believe it or not you can even buy it in fucking hardback this one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book but about 60 more articles it's got 350 or so pages of some pretty funny inappropriate and hopefully informative shit so check it out Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken, built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. 
and demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void using the magic of the internet, so we're going to dive straight into it. Tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hi, I am Eliana Rodriguez and I am a professional skydiver. I coach um, skydiving, I I organize uh, events. I'm on the Highlight Pro Skydiving team, which is an all-women's team that is doing uh, exhibition demonstration jumps into different areas like uh, women's sports. And uh, I've been jumping for about 26 years and still going strong. And um, I'm also right now the alternate for the U.S. eight-way team going into to the world meet. Um, oh, wow. As well. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we got a few things to cover then. You've <laughs> <laughs> been at this for a little while. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, as I always do with the podcast, I want to start not so much by what's going on right now, but by how you got into it. Because especially now, a lot of the listeners that I have uh, are early on skydivers just kind of getting started. And so they want to they want to know how people that have been in it for as long as you and as successful as you are started out. So where did it all start for you? And was it skydiving or was it something else? So I I first had the idea of skydiving when my father saw an ad in the newspaper about skydiving. And he said, hey, would you like to go skydiving with me? Um, And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I was always the kid that liked to like the roller coaster rides, the really high water slides. It was like that kind of stuff I really loved. And I thought skydiving was just going to be another like amusement park ride. Sure. But I was too young at the time. I wasn't 18 yet. I was like probably like 15 or 14. Mm. And um, so we, we, we didn't go and I forgot about it for a little while. And then uh, when I graduated high school, I joined the military at 17 and I thought, Hey, am I going to get to jump? I asked my recruiter and he was like, Oh, just, uh, just request it when you get in, which means, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I joined the military and I was, I, as soon as I got to my first duty station, which was Fort Hood, Texas, I, uh, I requested it and they were like, no, you know, they were not an airborne unit. So no. Uh, then I got, I went to Camp Stanley, Korea for a year and uh, requested it there and nope, it wasn't an airborne unit. But then I got sent to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is home oh, of the airborne. Yeah. And uh, I requested it there. And they were like, yes, they, they wanted you to be airborne. So they looked up a, a school date for me, you know, to, to go. And when they were looking up the date, they realized that that was my last year, like on my contract, that last year in the military. So they're like, you're not, you're going to, by the time you go to school, you're going to have less than a year left in the military. 
they're like, no, you, you know, we can't send you if you're going to get out. <laughs> you're going to have oh. to read this. Yeah. So I was like, I had already decided I was going to get out and I wanted to go to school. And, and so I, what some of the guys in my unit um, said, there was a drop zone nearby and you can just go and rent a parachute and jump. And I was like, okay. So I went to Rayford and, uh, and I went there and they're like, no, that's not how it works. Um, you're going to have to do a tandem. And so I, I did a tandem at Rayford oh, wow. back in 1995, October 1st of 1995. Wow. So you and I actually started jumping. We're the same generation as skydivers because I started early 96. Ah, yeah. yeah. yeah Where so did same you time frame. Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting spot to start jumping as well. Now, it's oh. funny that you say you, you joined the military and they neglected to inform you that uh, you might not be able to jump right off the bat. Because when I joined the military, it was because I had seen Top Gun and wanted to fly planes, but they neglected to tell me I needed to have a degree. But off you go. Sure, they'll sort yes. you out when you get there. Fuckers. My recommendation is get it in the contract. If you want something, get it yes, in the contract. Yes, yes. Get it in writing twice <laughs> or at least yes. three times. So yeah. you go out to Rayford and you make one jump. And did it live up to uh, everything you'd been building it up to? Yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun. and it, But I, I thought I was going to be like super nervous. And I wasn't, which was really surprising. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Is this Does this mean something bad too? Like, is it right. going to be the last? It's like, what's, I should be really nervous. And I wasn't nervous, but, and I had a great time. And, um, when I, um, when I landed, you know, at, you know, the, the, the drops on there, it's like home to the, um, the golden Knights, or mm. at least it was then, you know? And so one of the golden Knights that was, was around asked me if I was going to do, if I liked it and if I was going to do the course. And I was like, I would love to, but I, uh, I'm only an E4 in the military and it's too expensive for me. I, you know, I can't afford it. And he's like, oh my God, you're in the military. So you should go to the 82nd freefall activity, which is a skydiving club for the military. And you get discounted jumps, you know, you don't have to pay full price. Wow. So, yeah. So, and luckily, you know, somebody was there, he introduced me to the person that like ran that, that club. And uh, he said, if you go through the static line progressions, it's even cheaper than if you do the AFF, they have both. And so I started off going through the st static line progression. I, I learned, you know, like you have a whole week of ground school. You learn how to pack for yourself and pack my first rig uh, that I jumped. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I, was, I was getting out of the military at that time. Like I was getting ready to leave. So I ended up switching over to AFF because it was taking too long to go through it because I did my five um, static line jumps. Then right. I did the, the hop and pop. Then I was doing a five second delay, then the 10 second delay. And I had to go up, get all the way to like 45 seconds, but each jump you had to do it like a couple, like a few five second delays, a few 10 second delays. So, right. um, they switched me over to AFF or I switched over to AFF and I, they put me at level five cause I was already pulling for myself, you know, but it was crazy. That first jump from, from altitude, like at 12,000 or 13,000 feet. Cause I'd never been in free fall that long. Sure. And I was backsliding. I didn't know what was going on. You know, like I, I actually made the mistake. Like I, I do during the static line jumps and my five second and 10 second delays, I would, I would get out on the strut cause I was a, a Cessna uh, and uh, I, they would tell me, okay, go. And I would take a deep breath and then I would let go. And um, so when my instructor, 
was holding on to me for level five. He's like, okay, you're going to give the count. And I, I was like, okay, ready, set, go. And I was going to take my deep breath and go. He, he went and like ripped me off. I, I, did, I didn't think about this part. And uh, so it started the jump kind of like all crazy, you know? Sure. Um, but um, I, I had to do, um, I, I, I passed that one, but then I did level six a couple of times and I did level seven three times because I had a bit of a spin <laughs> and I would flip over and yeah, it was, it was crazy. And during that time I started, then I started to get really nervous and scared. Really? Like, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe this is not, you know? So fortunately um, my instructors, um, one one of them, his name's Sam Thistle, he passed away, but he had, he knew somebody that, you know, ran the tunnel in Fort Bragg. Mm. So they took me to the tunnel in the morning. They put really? me in a tight jumpsuit, put, took me to the tunnel. You know, it probably was like 10 or 15 minutes, I think. I don't, because they didn't keep track there, you know. Right. And they fixed my body position. And so I was able to, to graduate AFF. And that was my first experience with the tunnel. And that was in 1996. So wow. the tunnels weren't even like around for, right. for everybody yeah. Well, and they they weren't anywhere near what they are today because I started at, my first time ever in the air was in the Vegas tunnel, which was the first commercial tunnel, you yes. know, and uh -huh. it was the baggy suits and, you know, the horrible airflow, but it kind of did the trick because it taught you at least the basics. And it sounds yeah. like that's what Bragg did for you. Yeah, Bragg was actually pretty good, though. I mean, it was strong. I had to wear a tight jumpsuit. Um, and, um, the, but the thing was that you did, you don't have the walls, like it's not uh wall to wall air, sure. you know, you, you can fall out of it. And I did, <laughs> I did it quite a few times because later on, uh, I went back just to watch other people fly and I got invited back in and I got to fly quite a bit. And I think oh, that, nice. that really was the thing that kind of, um, for one, I mean, I was just hooked, but also um, it gave me the confidence that I didn't, cause I didn't realize other people didn't get that experience you like sure. I didn't realize how much it was up leveling my skydiving I, you know, I sure. didn't know people were just like wow you only have 20 jumps you're doing pretty good I was like, <laughs> oh, you know? <laughs> now what what do you think it was that kicked in the fear at the stage that it did I think it was just lack of control like yeah I mean it, the tandem you don't have any control but I think we went out so stable it, it you know it didn't feel I thought it was going to feel a little bit like a roller coaster, like you get sure. that dropping feeling, which I was okay with. And I was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. This is great. Um, I think it was just that, yeah, like I wasn't doing well. Like I wasn't like right. I was trying to do the things that they were telling me to do, like trying to stop my spin. And I would make it faster. Like sure, uh, I'd flip over and suddenly I'd see my feet in front of me. I'm like, what? what's going on? You know, that was was this the first activity that you found stuff like this happening? I mean, are you a generally a naturally gifted athletic person or was this the first time that, oh shit, this isn't working? Yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't do sports in school. I mean, I did, when I went in middle school, I did some cross country running and stuff like that, but I, I went to a private school and I think um, I, they didn't, it wasn't, they didn't have as many sports. They must have. And also my parents didn't have as much money to send me to stuff. I did. I do remember when I was really young, I, I was like in one class of gymnastics for like a short period of time, but I didn't do that for very long. So um, I did, you know, I took swimming lessons and things like that, but um, never like any competitive sports. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, surprising that I would get into it now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now with the military, were you required to get permission from them to go out and jump? Because I mean, from, uh, my, 
from, from the military? Yeah, from your commanding officer, or did you just kind of go do it? <laughs> I, I just went. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. You know, not, the people of my unit were like, "Yeah, just go," and I was like, "Okay." I just thought I was going to go to like a, I don't know, like go bowling or amusement park or. Sure, sure. Now, what did you do in the military? I was in communications. Okay. Um, yeah, I was in communications. I signed up for three years, and then I ended up extending for seven months. So I might as well. I should have signed up for four years. <laughs> Did, what, did you sign up for the, it was the, like the college program? Cause the three years yeah. that I signed up for, they called it a C college program and you kind of just got stuck wherever they put you, but you got college at the end of it. Yeah. You, uh, you would get the, when I signed up, you would get a bonus of $22,800. And if I would have signed up for four years, it would have been 25. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, Hey, especially back then that was a lot of money. Yeah. For me, I mean, at age 17, I was like, that's amazing. And that's how they lured me in. You know, they said, oh, you just need to sign up just two years. And I, initially, I think it was two years, $17,000. It sounded a lot to me as well. Um, sure. And uh, when I went to the MEP station where they, you know, you get your physical and then they get to, they connect you with what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, they started saying like, what about a medic? Six years. I was like, no, 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 no. Six years. That seemed like a lifetime to me at age 17. And right. um, also being a medic in the military, I immediately imagined like all those war movies where people's legs were cut off. And I was like, oh, no way. I can't sure. do that. Although they, I kind of love the health stuff now, but for sure. Um, they almost the, got me to extend in boot camp because they offered me uh, journalism, uh, which I was interested in even back then. And I failed the typing test. I typed like a minute, a word or a word, a minute too slow, but they uh -huh. tried to hold me responsible for the extension that I signed. And I found myself mm -hmm. in the office in boot camp, screaming at the top of my lungs, pissed off, thinking you should not be screaming in this place, but I wasn't going to let them hold me to a six year extension oh, and not wow. give me what they promised. So oof. right. Good job. Good yeah. Job yeah. So yeah. you're out of the military, you're through AFF and what happens next? Do you head back home? And by the way, where is home at this point? So at that time it was Florida. I had gone to high school in Kissimmee, Florida, and I did, I went back home to my parents. I was, I wanted to go to college, uh, university. And uh, I, at the time I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So I went to the community college and um, and then I was just working. I, I was uh, waiting tables, bartending um, and going to school and then jumping whenever I could. And at first, when I left Rayford, I didn't realize, even though like Rayford had been like my home drop zone, but it was like such a short period of time because it was just through my student status. I didn't realize that people had like a home drop zone. So when I went to Florida, there's so many drop zones in that area all the way around. I was just going to go to like different drop zones. And, you know, and so I started off, I went to Deland, I made like a couple maybe one or two jumps. And then the next place I went to was Titusville. Uh, and, and when I went there, I went with a friend who um, was going to do a tandem and everybody was so friendly. I never went and anywhere else like I just she was doing her like she did the tandem she went through AFF so I was going with her so I ended up staying there for like the next two years and 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 just fun jumping there like for the next 200 jumps because I was making about 100 jumps a year for the first five years because that's oh, wow. all I could afford sure. yeah that's all I could afford that's all you know time I was going to school and you know waiting tables so it was you know that's you know I couldn't always afford to get out there or yeah just pay for, pay for sure. stuff but 
I was like, I think it also gave me like this passion because it was just like, I couldn't wait to get out there every time. I wasn't doing a ton of jumps, but I would go out there for a weekend and maybe I'd stay all day to do like five jumps. <laughs> sure, know? sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what yeah. did your dad think? Because he was the one that originally sparked the idea. And now here you are, you come home a skydiver. He must have thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he, he thought it was really cool. And then eventually he made a tandem at, in Titusville as well. And he, he liked it. Um, later on when we... Uh, when I moved to Dubai and was working in Dubai, he came out to visit and they offered him a tandem. And then he was older then. And he was like, no. And later on, he regretted it. He's like, I should have done it. You know, right. right. <laughs> my uh, my dad said no back when I first started jumping back when he was uh, a little bit healthier and a little bit thinner uh, and uh, ended up saying actually going out of his way to ask me to do a tandem 20 years later when he really probably shouldn't have been doing a tandem a little bit rounder and a little bit older and he did the jump and the, my favorite part of the entire uh, video is him laying flat on his back in the landing area just taking deep breaths going I think I liked it I think uh, I liked it yeah 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 so the first few years you're busting ass in school you're working and basically every all, all the free time is going towards the drop zone um, when did you finally go, you know, something, maybe I should think about getting into this a bit more. So it was, it was strange because it, I was still like on the road to like, I'm, I'm going to school. I'm going to, um, you know, I want to graduate. I'm going to be an engineer. You know, that's like the right, you know, like I got to get a career, you know, and, um, a friend from the drop zone said, Hey, they opened up, they're opening up a wind tunnel near where you live in Orlando which isn't very far from Kissimmee and she's like you should go apply and I was like no like I, I only have 200 jumps they probably need somebody with like a thousand jumps like <laughs> instructor I'm like no like no they wouldn't take me you know so I I she she kind of mentioned it a few times and I was like I'll think about it but I was like I really didn't think I would get the job so and then we were um we were all it was one weekend, there was a lot of uh, fires along the East Coast. Mm. So Titusville and Deland took their planes to uh, Zephyr Hills. And we all went there to jump. So when we were there, she's like, Oh, hey, uh, my friend who's, you know, who works at the tunnel, he got hired at the tunnel, he was that told me that they needed people, they needed instructors, he's here, let me introduce you to him. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I was like, yeah, so she introduced me to him. And he's like, Oh, you know what? The general manager, he jumps here. Um, let me introduce you to him. And I was like, uh, all right. You know, so I went over and, and the general manager was like, just bring your resume tomorrow. And um, yeah, we'll, in we'll interview you. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't have a resume. So like that whole evening I had to be like doing, trying to come up with a resume. And I went and got interviewed and they hired me. And I was like, and so that's how it started. It wasn't like I was trying, like working on it. It was just like, somebody said and introduced me and um it's like meant to be i don't know and um it, that's, that's kind of what it really got things going working at the top. seems to be that type of entrance into the sport or at least working in the sport seems to be such a common thread among skydivers is i didn't plan this shit <laughs> it just yeah. got, i fell into yeah. it no pun intended Yes. I I knew this person that knew that person and I kind of just fit this groove and that seems to be everybody's story it's bizarre yeah it's amazing it wasn't yeah I never like even knew people did it professionally for a long time like I was you know like I, I didn't know yeah it was it's crazy I it was it was wonderful <laughs> well now so you got hired as an instructor 
Yes, I got hired as an instructor. And for a long time, I was the only female instructor there. But um, it was a really fun job. Obviously, uh, well, I went to the interview thinking, okay, they probably won't hire me, but at least I'll get to fly a little, you know? But I, they actually just, with the interview was all more, you know, it wasn't, they didn't uh, try me out flying-wise, you know? Right. Um, because they had um, a couple instructors that they were going to teach you how to handle the students. They're going to teach you how to move around the tunnel and all that stuff. So I guess they realized that it didn't you know, need to, you know, sure. it didn't need to be, you know, did already. You, did you find that being the only female instructor had any had any issues or any problems with it? I mean, are are you were you just one of the guys? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel that. I felt like everybody was really supportive. I mean, we had a very fun group of people to work with. We, I think, everybody supported each other. And um, yeah, you know, it was. It, it was. Yeah, I didn't have that sense that I'm the only female. You know. Sure. No, it's it's kind of funny because there's there's quite a few similarities um, in our paths in that I ended up working in the Vegas tunnel um, very, very early in the sport and worked with somebody who I'm sure, you know, Mary Tortomasi, um, who was the only female instructor there. And she and I actually ended up making a sky surfing team. Um, yeah. So it's very much a parallel. But coming from the guy side of things, I never thought of Mary as anything other than another instructor, another jumper. So it's kind of yeah. cool that it was the same for you on the other side of the of the yes. coast you know yeah Super cool. it was awesome they you know they're it's such a fun fun group <laughs> sure now from the tunnel how did that start to work its way into working as an instructor or, uh, basically a professional skydiver because that's that's a bit of a leap yeah yeah so working at the tunnel it was actually a pretty amazing place to be because that at that time, that was the only t besides the flyaway tunnels, mm. that was the only tunnel that, you know, you would wear your regular jumpsuit, your, your weight belt, you know, you just wore what you wore skydiving and people started using it as a training tool for competitions mm. and, or, for, you know, just to learn. And the people were coming from all over the world. And so we were getting um, coaches from all over the world, uh, teams from all over the world. So I started getting exposed to all this team training and, um, and just watching it and watching the instructors and learning like the coaches and learning from, you know, just seeing what they were telling them. And, and uh, there was a couple girls from Zephyr Hills that, you know, three of them had gotten together and they needed a fourth. And they were like, Hey, would you like to, would you like to be part of our team? We're, uh, we're going to do the Florida skydiving league meets and we're going to get a coach. And so we got Kurt Gable as our coach and uh, at first I thought, like I'd already been working in the tunnel for a little bit, had 200 jumps or so. And I thought, I wonder what this coach is gonna teach us. Like, what, like, I'm like, what, you know, like I, you know, like, I, you know, it, it's weird because I was watching four way, but I like, I didn't get it, you know, right. like I could turn, I can go up and down. I can like, you know, whatever, you know, I was like, what else is there, you know? Right. <laughs> and so the first day of getting coached in four way, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know anything, you know, like from the exits to like the blocks and, you know, just everything. I was like, I was completely hooked. Yeah. So I blame him for getting me hooked because I was, <laughs> I, I, yeah. And so, and so we were doing some of the, you know, the like once a month, the competitions, you know, to learn, sure. you know, to have fun and learn. And I, I loved it. Um, but um, my mom, unfortunately, she ended up getting sick and um, she had cancer and she, she passed away. So I took like a, like three or four months off mm. from everything, tunnel sure. school, jumping to take care of her. And then when I got back, 
um, that, you know, I had already missed the nationals with that team. But when I got back, there was another team forming <clears throat> and it ended up being uh, Deland Tunnel Rage, which was, you know, Thomas Hughes, um, Kyle Stark and Glenn Mendes. He, and we were, um, and, and Glenn's father, uh, Oscar, um, and we were, um, we were, three of us worked at the tunnel. So, and I, I had about 400 jumps, Thomas had a hundred jumps and Kyle had more jumps, but he was a free flyer. You know, he, he had like probably a thousand jumps, but he, he was most, mostly a free flyer. And so we did this team and we competed in intermediate in, uh, at the nationals in 2000. And I think at that time, because the tunnel was still pretty new, people were still like, I don't know if it's the same, if it helps skydiving. But when we did so well, like we, um, you know, we, I think we averaged a 15 and like on one of the jumps is a random jump and we did 22 points in 35 seconds. And, you know, like with a team yeah. with like jump numbers and we didn't even train that much because we couldn't, you didn't have the money or the time. Um, so we might've done maybe a hundred jumps or less. <laughs> and so uh, then I think it, it helped people realize like, wow, you can train some four-way in the tunnel and really make some gains. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, without uh, jumping too far ahead, you've you won a couple of competitions since then. Yes, I have. A yes, couple. I, have. I mean, yeah. let's let's fuck it. Let's actually go over your resume because you have been a competition Scott ever for most of your career, for the most part, um, and excelled with some of the most amazing teams that have ever flown. So, give me the whole list. Let me hear about it. Yes. So, I mean, after that team and that nationals, a women's team, um, a women's group called me and they were like, hey, they're having the World Cup in Eloy, Arizona, and there's no women's team. Uh, and so they're going to let us put this team together, even though there was none at the nationals. And so we went to the World Cup. You know, we didn't have a lot of training jumps, but it was a new event and we won the World Cup. So that was the first like, big win, winning the World Cup in the, as a U.S. women's team, synchronicity. Wow. So then 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 the, the world meet for some reason, it was like six months later in Spain in 2001. And so we trained really hard. It was the hardest I trained up to the time because I made we made 300 jumps in six months and did lots of tunnel got coaching from Joey Jones and uh, we went to the world meet. We battled it out and we won the world meet. So first, that was the first world championships uh, in four-way formation skydiving with women. And it was really actually a really big turning point in my life because before that I was still like, I'm going to school. This is my, like a hobby, even though I love it, I'm passionate about it, but I have to get, I would kept saying after this team, I've got to take a break because financially I needed a break. Right. And I needed to focus on school. And after I did that meet and it was, it, we, we had to battle it out. Like we were tied for a little bit, then we were down and then we had to climb our way back out. And then on the last round, we won by three <laughs> points, you know? <laughs> and so it was, it was amazing. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And I feel like I made a decision in that moment that I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this, you know, sure. more. Like I'm gonna... And that's when airspeed called the Arizona airspeed, you know, the, the current world champions and right. you know, the team in the U.S. And so they called me and asked me to come try out. And so, again, I wasn't like thinking I wasn't even aiming that high. Like I right. was still like, OK, I'm still going to go to school and maybe I'm going to continue with this team. But I had to figure out how to do this more. And uh, the universe answered. <laughs> like, sure, sure. Okay. Absolutely. Well, now, so, then, so in skydiving, anybody that's in skydiving, even a newer skydiver knows if you hear the name airspeed instantly everybody goes oh shit airspeed 
But when this is happening back then, are you telling your dad and your mom and your family, I'm going to go now, airspeed's called, this is it. I'm going to give up everything else and I'm going to go do this. And all of them have got to be going, the hell is she talking about? Was that a tough sell? Yeah. Well, they, my dad, my mom had already passed away, but my dad was a little bit worried. He's like, well, how are you going to work? Are they, you know, they're going to pay you? I was like, no, they said they won't let me go hungry though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because there was no like guarantee on like how much you're going to coach or make, but they're like, you know, we'll, you know, we'll help you out. We'll make sure sure you don't go hungry. And I'm like, okay. And I, I I was like, I don't care. I'll work at McDonald's in the evening if I have to, you know? Um, And so, and I thought I would go there there for like a year or two like I don't know like that's what I was thinking and it turned into nine years nine years of airspeed nine years of airspeed full on you know jump you know training coaching big wave events uh, everything you know so now how was how was the tryout what was that like it was good I, it was actually um two of us that went out it was Thomas Hughes and I and initially there was, it was supposed to be two slots, but one of the guys, Gary, Gary Byer decided to come back and not leave. And so they, it came down to only being one slot. Ooh. And so we just, you know, we took turns jumping with them one at a time. And, um, and then in the end they chose me and I was the most current one. Cause I just won the world meet, you know? And I think also they, wa- they were before I won the world meet, like they, they knew me from the tunnel cause they were coming out and doing a lot of tunnel camps. They knew both of us from the tunnel because Thomas worked at the tunnel too, but I, uh, they, they, they watch the competition and, and the, the question is, uh, can, can she perform under pressure when it really gets down to it? Sure. It was answered for them there. And so, um, yeah. So when we went to the tryouts, I, you know, Thomas and I had done the intermediate team together, but I, he didn't do a team that next year. And I, I was training for the world meet that next sure. year. So I was very, very current. Um, and um, yeah, they already knew that answer. Can she perform at, you know, when it, you know, at a world meet? <laughs> I mean, but how much more pressure can you possibly get that first load with airspeed, knowing that everybody you're jumping with is doing nothing but evaluating you? That's <laughs> yeah, pretty it, hardcore. It was fun. Although they, they had been coming to the tunnel a lot, like monthly or maybe twice a month. So, you know, you, you're, it wasn't like, uh, you know, they, they were new to me. Like I you know, right. seen a lot, they were seeing me fly with like other people and, you know, so, it, you know, it wasn't like they hadn't seen me fly, you know, sure. how long <laughs> did it actually, take? We, we flew in the tunnel, like, uh, Kirk, Craig and Thomas and I, we did a little four way beforehand in the tunnel and it, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Now, how long did it take after they told you you made the team for it to actually sink in that you were a member of airspeed? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I, I tried out like in November and I, I moved out in December and started training right away. Holy shit. That was, you just went, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Full on just moved across the country. My Lord. Now what was the, what was the training and jumping schedule like with airspeed? I mean, cause obviously you don't get to where they are without going pretty damn hard. Yeah. So often we would do like between three to five days, you know, consecutively, um, probably like 10 days a month or or sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on what we had going on with other work. Um, And we would jump, do 12 jumps a day. And then uh, when I first got out there, we didn't have our own tunnel. So we would go out to Orlando and do some tunnel time. And then a couple, yeah, I got that. I got there at the December of 2001. And 
And then in 2005, we got our tunnel in it at Skydive Arizona. And so then we were doing tunnel at Skydive Arizona. But, sure. um, but usually we would jump, you know, jump, either jump all day or do tunnel. Um, we didn't always com- combine it like where we went back and forth. You know? Sure, sure. Well, now you're but, one of the you're one of the few jumpers that I've uh, been able to talk to that didn't have their foot in chucking drugs or doing AFF and all that stuff to try and get the bills paid. You were strictly competition and coaching and, and big way stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Doing like, like doing t- a lot of tunnel camps at first, you know, the team mm. we were doing, we we're going to Orlando to do the, a lot of the tunnel camps and we started doing them in Arizona. Um, and uh, so a lot of tunnel coaching and then four-way camps in the air and then some, you know, helping out with the uh, Arizona challenge, which was weird because I had never done like big ways before, you know, sure. <laughs> I think the most I'd done was a 20 way, like way back in the day. And um, so I, at first I was just more with one of my teammates paired up with them. And, sure. and then eventually I started taking my own groups, but it was kind nice. of interesting. It was like the top of the top in, the, in like all these formations. And I was like, uh, I think this I've done is a 20 way. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, a lot of people will, especially people listening from smaller drop zones and stuff, will hear names uh, like Arizona Airspeed and, and think unapproachable, top of the food chain type of stuff. But even in the limited time that I had to spend in Eloy, I found that everybody from all the different teams and all the different disciplines there was very approachable. But especially because you guys did so many camps and so much tunnel stuff, that seemed at least to me to keep you guys connected to the normal fun jumpers, which was always really, really cool. Was that how it was? Yeah. I mean, we would, we would do the camps. We were also like organizing certain like boogies at the drop zone where there was the Halloween boogie or the, um, the Christmas boogie and things like that. But also that was part of like our team, um, like goals was to be approachable, to share information and uh, with everybody, you know, every, even uh, the people that were like competing closest to us, because we always felt like if we shared everything and then beat them, then, you know, we really, sure. you know, <laughs> really were the best. So, um, yeah, so we were always really open to sharing or we were training. If somebody had a question about an exit, we would be happy to share. Or also for, for a long time, we were, our debriefs were in the hangar, like out in the open. So anybody can walk up while we were debriefing and watch our jumps and hear our debriefs. Oh, nice. That's yeah. kind of cool. That's yeah, really so cool. Yeah, so we're like wide open, you know, for people to, we always felt like, you know, the better, the more we share, then the better the sport's going to get, right? Sure, then, sure. Then the better we'll get as well. Well, the only time I ever uh, um, shared a plane with Airspeed was uh, uh, the 98 Nationals uh, when I was uh, with Mary, we were doing sky surfing. Uh, and I, it was... Omar doing freestyle. It was Tanya and Craig O'Brien and me and Mary doing sky surfing. And then I believe it was eight way airspeed in the back of the plane. And it's the only time that you 100% knew nobody in the back of the plane was approachable because you guys were eyes closed, gloves (sighs) on, just super fucking intense. But I remember laughing really hard because Tanya uh, O'Brien, of course, knows everybody and everybody's friends, even though it's different disciplines. And it was in the middle of Airspeed's mental dive in the plane when she yells out pretty loudly, hey, Airspeed, don't fuck it up, (laughs) just to mess with them. (laughs) And I'm pretty new at the sport. That's Airspeed. Oh, my God. How could you say that? But it was so funny. And, of course, now that I've met so many members of Airspeed, I know they probably thought it was funny, too, just not right then. (laughs) Just not at that moment. So... In the nine years that that you were with Airspeed, how many titles did you guys rack up? 
So, um, <laughs> so we won in, in like four away. I started winning the gold in four away in 2007. So 2007, eight, nine, 10, the gold. Um, and before that, so when I first got on the team, I got on the team and the team was doing, focusing mostly on four way. So we had two four way teams. And then unfortunately that first year, right before the nationals, I fractured my ankle. I had a oh. So I, I wasn't able to compete at that first uh, nationals, but then, and, and the, the team that had been um, winning a vertical airspeed vertical was the like Craig was on that team. Um, they lost the four way. And so they, um, they got everybody back together and they really focused on winning the eight way because if they didn't win the four way or the eight way, they weren't going to go to the world meet. So mm. we got the slot for the eight way. And I, so then, um, after, the, after the nationals, I recovered and I was able to join them on the eight way. So we trained eight way, um, exclusively because of the world meet was that, that, that next year, um, in 2003 in Gap, France. And we actually came very close to winning that one. We, we went into the tiebreaker and we tied the tiebreaker, but, um, they gave the medal to the Russians because they had this, the way that the, the rules work is whoever gets the highest score on any jump. Like if they, the, the tiebreaker doesn't break the tie, right. then that team is the winner that gets the gold. So that's the closest you can get, I guess, to, <laughs> to winning and not win, you know, like you didn't lose, but you didn't, you didn't win either. Right. Um, so, it, and then that, so we got second place at the world meet that year in 2003 and, but we won the nationals in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, Jeez. 2007, 2008, 2009. And then the Golden Knights like got a new group together. And we knew in 2009, this is probably going to be the last year because we had been training to the uh, eight wake very hard 2003, four, five, uh, six. And then in 2007, we just became a four-way team. Some of the members left. And it, so we weren't training eight-way anymore. We were just sure. putting our old guys back together, but we were still winning it at the nationals. Wow. Um, and so, yeah. So, and then um, in 2005, um, we won at the World Cup, both four-way and eight-way, which was really awesome. Yeah. Um, so that was a World Cup. And then um, in 2008, I won the, we won the four-way meet wow yeah and then in 2010 we um we in russia we were training with the uh the french and we had the best meet of our lives we averaged 27.4 which is amazing and uh we were tied like going into the last round or like and then we we lost it in the last round they the french had the most incredible job we had a great jump too. We, so we didn't know when we landed, we're like, ah, it, we, it could be us, but they had the most amazing jump. And so they beat us. So, wow. uh, so it was, uh, even though it was, uh, you know, we didn't win, it was still one of our favorites because we did our best. Like it sure. was just a battle kind of like it was for my first world meet, uh, sure. which I really love. It's, you know, it's, it's well, especially with as dominant as you guys were for so long in both disciplines, I mean, for fuck's sake, you kind of want the challenge, right? Because yeah, you're just right. destroying on all fronts. So being back in that battle, especially if you were doing that well, had to have just been amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's it's really like that's what I, I feel like everybody on the team always, you know, wants like just to have like that fight. You know, it's sure. like you're, like you're behind one, then you're ahead, then you're behind your head. Then, you know, you're sure. It's, 
when you go in there and if you don't like if the, you know for whatever reason the teams aren't close and you're winning by a lot it's it doesn't have that. <laughs> sure. It doesn't have that juice to it. Yes. Well, that was, that was like the 98 nationals. Craig and Tanya were actually giving Mary and I tips on how to do better because they were destroying us so much that they're like, well, fuck it. We might as well help you get it a little, at least yeah, a little yeah. closer, you know? Yeah. So, well, and speaking of that exact thing too, and wanting those tight competitions, um, this halfway decent skydiver, I think you hang out with Craig. Uh, he's decent. All right. Um, was helping train the, uh, helping train the Russians. And when I had him on the podcast, I was asking him if he was getting shit for it. And his response was something along the lines of, yeah, I am. But at the end of the day, we all just want a better competition. So why shouldn't I help the competition to train here and there? Cause we all just want a good clean fight. Right. Yes. Which is and so cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, with eight way, it's, it's such a challenge, you know, it's hard with four way to get four people to commit that much time and money. And, you know, you have to be together years to get to that level. And so sure. with eight way, you can imagine trying to get eight people together and, you know, so yeah, the more we can help people grow, the better the competition is going to be. You know? Sure. Now, specifically <laughs> when it comes to the jumps, which was more demanding four way or eight way? Um, so I mean, they're both great, um, but eight way can be exponentially tougher in not in the air, but on the ground, like mm. moving eight people together, whether you're traveling or like trying to make decisions. It's like exponentially. It's not just doubly. It's exponentially. Sure. Hard. So that can get a little tricky. So when you go from eight way to four way, it's like, oh, it feels so easy. Like, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, just waiting on just a few people or, you know, you just or it, like in four way, you feel like you could see everything after you've been doing eight way, you know, sure. so you know but they're all they're both really fun you know when they're going you know nice. with going good it's really really amazing now with as crazy as it's it's been for that many years of competition and stuff i've always found it really remarkable that people that do that um, can still have such a, um, a happy disposition about them. And, and uh, I brag quite often about the fact that I got Craig to come spend a couple of hours sitting in a toilet with me talking about skydiving because um, yeah. he's just that nice a guy. But it's exactly the same with you, although unfortunately I couldn't offer you the toilet. Yeah, you know. but, I mean, yeah right. <laughs> How do you how do you keep it so upbeat? Because I mean, you clearly still love what you do. But I mean, both of you guys and a lot of the people that do what you do are just so good with the people around you. I mean, how the hell do you do it? I think a part of it is because that's what we like about it. You know, we mm. like one of the things we like about the sport is the community, the people, you know, the people you meet. You meet people from all over the world, all yeah. different ages. I mean, from 18 and up and um, different countries, different uh, jobs, you know, so it's all, you know, really interesting. And I, I, met you know like some of the people that i've met i mean become my best friends and you know it's funny like a lot of really good friends but they're everywhere they're not like here they're all here but there's, sure. there's an amazing group here but there's uh yeah they're all you know they're different countries you know in sure Canada, in france and you know in california <laughs> Well, yeah. I was joking that any skydiver that's been in the sport for any length of time has a couch pretty much anywhere in the world that yeah. they can go crash on, you know, which yeah. is, it's an amazing thing. And that's the the never ending theme on this podcast is the the biggest draw to the sport is the community. It is. It really is. Yeah. It's a really special community and, you know, people that you wouldn't think 
normally you'd be friends with. I mean, you get to know them over the years at competitions and stuff and you become great friends. Um, and such a diverse uh, uh, personalities. I mean, uh, um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to, to Craig being such a mellow, calming gentleman and I'm super high strung, but I consider him a friend, but I would never put that match together in any other circumstances other than skydiving, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. bizarre. It's wonderful, yeah. but it's bizarre. It now, is. speaking of special stuff, you are now on a team that's doing a lot of really cool stuff. And we briefly touched on that at the beginning. So tell me about your current team and what you guys are up to. So I, I am part of the Highlight Pro Skydiving team. And it's a team of an elite, all-female team of um, women. And we come from different, different areas. Um, uh, and everybody's really good at what they do. And, um, and we're jumping... We're, it start, the team started off because it wanted to, um, they wanted to honor the 100 year anniversary of the women's right to vote. Sure. Um, they wanted to highlight that. And so, but it, that was in 2020. And they jumped into different air, special areas of, you know, like uh, historical significance. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have a crowd, but they did put it on social media. So, you know, everybody was on social media definitely at that time during uh, the sure. pandemic. And so that grew into the team and um, it, it just continued on. And the team is, uh, we, we want to, it's, 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 we want to, um, we want to pair up with uh, organizations that are also doing good in the world. Like, um, for example, like Angel City Football Club, we just jumped into a stadium in LA um, in a women's soccer game, the national women's soccer league uh, sure. and so it was very intense it was a lot of fun there was about twenty thousand people there <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. awesome and so it, part of it is to you know highlight skydiving but also highlight some of uh, the some of the issues going on you know with uh equality you know diversion um and uh the social justice issues and so it's uh, it's been a really fun team. We do different things. We jump with flag. We jump with smoke. We um, sometimes we just recently on the cover of parachutes. I don't you know if you saw. We had colored. Um, it wasn't smoke, but it was a uh, cornstarch. Nice. Um, but you know the color of the 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 rainbow. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was. It's been just an amazing team. It's nice to be part of something that. It's not just, you know, it, it's a lot of fun, you know, the, the stuff we do, but it's also has a bigger meaning to it. Sure. Know? It's it's not or, just a bunch of skydivers burning holes in the sky and, and all that stuff. You're actually doing it for a purpose. Yes. Yes. So it's, um, yeah, it's been very rewarding. Um, and we look forward to, to more, to more. Sure. Well, and we're kind of in a day and age when there are an abundance of good causes and things that need to be, um, uh, spotlighted and, and highlighted, um, you know, I mean, uh, whether it be uh, women's rights or minorities or, or um, uh, gender stuff and, and politics and all that. I mean, my Lord, there's so many things going on nowadays. And it seems to me at least that nowadays what gets people's attention are the out of the ordinary things. And for most of the world, jumping out of airplanes is still out of the ordinary. Yeah. So it really is a cool way to bring attention to some of these really important issues that people would otherwise just not pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I don't know if you know this, I'm also part of the Women's Skydiving Network. 
which is trying to, um, you know, it's, 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 we, we, we noticed um, that part, I wasn't on it when it started, but there's a, in the US, there's only 13% um, of the members of USPA members are women. Now it's 14. Mm. Um, so it's, it's maintained very low for a long time. Sure. So we want to help bring that, that level up. And um, I think part of, you know, the women's skydiving network highlight just exposure to skydiving and that women are doing skydiving, I think will definitely help also our sport. Um, sure. For more women. Um, you know, it's what, kind of funny. I never would have known that the number was that low. Mm-hmm. I never yeah. would have known that the number was that low. I guess I've been in it so long now and I know so many female skydivers that I always would have assumed it was 30, 40%. I had no idea it was 14%. Yeah. yeah. And it's remained, yeah, it was like 13% for a long time. It just went up to 14%, but it's remained really low. We're actually putting out a survey, um, like the Women's Skydiving Network, just to get, like, try to learn and understand why some of the women that have come in have left the sport um you know there's we've already started to get some responses and there's just it's it varies and usually it's not one thing you know it might start with like i had an injury and then COVID happened and then you know something or i had a baby and then you know financially you know it's too too much i don't have childcare, so it's like finances and baby or you know so we're trying to figure out if there's like some big themes, like the injury and the having babies is already standing out a little bit, but we sure. still have a very small sample size. But um, but jumping into these games, like we just jumped into that with 20,000 people, there was a lot of women and young girls. And um, when we jumped in, they when we landed, they, I think they all thought we were men until like we took the helmets off and, you know, got an interview. Um, and then Hannah Betts, um, she was, you know, talking over the microphone and she was like, you just watch four women you know, land, you know, jump into the stadium and they, everybody went crazy. Sure. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like that, you know, those two connecting those two. Sure. Well, and Hannah, what a badass there. I mean, my She's Lord, incredible. I just saw an Instagram picture that she posted of her in this black leather jacket on fire fucking hell such a badass when i had her on the podcast i was just jaw on the floor the entire time going the stories this person has got it's amazing it's it's weird too i think i've been sitting up in the front of the plane for so long um i see so many women come out and do tandems that i i guess i'm kind of surprised too that there's not a bigger turnover in students yeah, you know, um, I had asked uh, USPA and um, some drop zones if they keep track of how many women versus men do tandems because I feel like it's yeah, it's close to 50-50, but yeah. um, it, it's not something that here in this country that they keep track of. I don't know if they do in, in other parts of the world, Sure, but it would be interesting to know, is it like, are we losing them right after the tandem or is it sure. after the course or, or is it even close to being the same? Maybe they're just not as many, you know, I don't know. Sure. So, well, um, and you just like me, you've seen 26 years worth of people uh, getting strapped into tandems and jumping out of airplanes. And by and large, in my opinion, that first jump experience is handled much better by women than it is by men. <laughs> so it really is. Women tend to handle that kind of pressure better than men because we're supposed to be macho. And then as soon as we're scared, we don't know how to fucking handle it. You know, yeah. so it's yeah. wonderful to see, but I really am kind of surprised that there's not a bigger uh, shift into student status. It would be really cool to see that happen. 
you know, I, I asked uh, Scott of Arizona and they were saying that uh, they had, they weren't keeping track of the tandems, but they did have all their student information, but um, they, they did say the person that worked has worked there for a long time. She said, when women sign up, they follow through and finish the course. Sure. Men, they, they actually sometimes sign up and they don't, they don't get through. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So the women that do sign up, they, they tend to be like all in. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, I, that, you know, I'll tell you what, from my perspective, that doesn't surprise me because learning how, and even through my first hundred jumps, there must've been a dozen times where I was a fingernail away from backing away from the sport. Cause it was just, wow, you know, super, super intense. I had a specific spot on the highway where I would allow myself to turn around and go home and not feel bad if I didn't go. But if I drove past there, I had to go to the drop zone and jump. So it was, it was tough to learn how to, to cope with the environment and the fear and all that. Um, now, when you've been doing these surveys, have you found that uh, some of the pushback you get from um, the women that have left the sport is that it was too much of a boys club? Not yet. I mean, but we had we, we the, the ones I looked at, I, we just put it out. We got like 55 responses. And so it's mm. a very small group. We want to make it a bigger group so we can get a better idea. And um, they, they, they haven't said that. Um, only two people did say um, sexual harassment, you know, which... Mm which is sad, but, um, there, but a lot of them were an injury. Like it started off with, they got injured. Um, so then they were off for a long period of time and, and then, you know, it, either COVID happened or, um, yeah, for financially, maybe it was difficult. And so it like, so it was like a string of things. So, sure. you know, it, some people, you know, might maybe just lost interest, um, uh, other people. Yeah. They had a baby and then it was difficult childcare or the, or sometimes they had a baby and they were going to come back, but then they saw somebody pass away from skydiving. So then it made them think, I don't know if it's worth it, you know, with my kids. So, sure. you know, usually it's not just one thing, the baby or the injury or that it's just a, it's a couple things. You know, sure. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Now, is the highlight team doing stuff within skydiving as well? Or are there plans to do things within skydiving to try and promote to more uh, women and get more women in the sport? within Scott. I mean, so there has been a few things like, for example, recently in Scott at Paris, they had something called the fresh meat. So it's a lot of fresh, you know, young side. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name. How huh? fresh meat. I like it. And so um, that was Christy Frickin, uh, as idea. She's always full of great ideas. Nice. And um, she, uh, they had some of the women, uh, the two of the women from the highlight team out there um, being like coaches in the air and also on the ground with the canopy stuff. Cause you know, like Maxine, you know, she's, she's a canopy pilot, um, you know, like competitive canopy pilot. Sure. Uh, and, and so she, you know, she has a lot of background in that and she, she's flight one coach and um, you know, Melissa, I mean, you know, and Melissa, you know, low, she's been, in the oh, sport yeah. forever, so she does it, you know, she does it all. So she was uh, out there, you know, they were all doing like these little mini meets where it was like one coach, one met coach, a mentor and two, two young people. So they were, they were part of that. So the, the highlight is getting involved in things like that. As nice. Well. Now the members are, are you Maxine, uh, Melissa and Melanie Curtis? Yeah. Wow. No, we have 13 members. Thir so that's Holy shit. But that's only four. Yeah. So that's only four. So it's like Amy, Amy Shmielecki okay, and um, Melanie, who are, you know, they kind of run, run, run the, the team, um, own it and run it. And um, Melissa, Maxine, Hannah Betts, 
um, uh, myself, of course. Um, let me go through Carrie uh, Bell from um, Scott Powson, like okay. uh, Andy Harrington's sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Karen uh, Lewis. Do you know Karen Lou? Uh, I know Scott the. Of- I know Paris. the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lou, I'm afraid I'm going to forget somebody here. Um, uh, another Hannah Aldrich. Um, uh, Allison Ray, who's a canopy uh, super. Okay. Um, how many have I named there? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize the team was that big. 13. Yeah, 13. 13. Uh-huh. So are you guys kind of, are you spreading out and hitting different events with small groups from the team and going to different areas? How, how often are you guys doing things with the whole team? Yeah. Also, also Sarah Curtis is another one. Um, uh, so we are, so it depends, you know, there's different demos that come up. So recently um, there was one for uh, the National Women's Skydiving, uh, uh, Skydiving Soccer League um, in North Carolina for a soccer game. So they they were, had four jumpers and then two ground crew. Um, same thing when we went to uh, the one in LA, there was four jumpers and there was a, a little bit more ground crew there because we had like a media person as well. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we then like we did one into the New York um, State Fair in Syracuse, New York last year and everybody went, you know. Nice. So it depends. Um, I, some of the some of the women are jumping like big flags. I don't jump the big flags, you know, those big heavy sure. <laughs> big flags. Um, so it depends on what they need for the event. Mm. Very cool. That's very cool. And I, I mean, it sounds like you guys ha- are pushing for staying super active. And I know Melanie talk about as motivated as they possibly get. So if she's running the show, <laughs> holy shit, <laughs> yeah, sure. there's going to be a lot going on. So. When, but to, to completely change the subject, when did you get inducted? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna be inducted. Gonna be holy shit. Yeah, I'm gonna be inducted on October 8th this year. Um, how incredible you know, is that? Yes, bravo, Florida. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you very much. I'm, I'm blown away, you know, that's, that's so amazing. I mean, honestly, that I mean, it's well deserved, especially with the resume that you've gotten all the stuff you've got going on. But what was that telephone call like? It was it was crazy is that uh, Bill Wenger called me with uh, Jim McCormick. And uh, they were like, you're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2022. And I'm like, what? I'm like, that's this year. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like, it, it, it's crazy because, I mean, you just see a lot of your, you know, some of your heroes up there, but also some of them that haven't been inducted yet. And you're like, feel like, do I, do I deserve this? You know, sure. before, before others, um, you know, there's so many people that are amazing in our sport and been doing so much. And sure. so, yeah, it's, a, it's an overwhelming feeling. It's, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, coming from, from my angle, being an average jumper and an average instructor and an average pilot that's just kind of done his thing, I have so many people that are either um, heading that direction or already there. Omar Al-Hijalan being the last uh, that was just inducted. And it's such an incredible thing to have this community that is highlighting such amazing stuff, but also know I hang out with that dude. I've been drunk with this person. It's so cool. And that's the, that's my favorite part about the sport is you normally think hall of fame. It's these untouchable idols, but no, I can show up and go jump with you. I can go jump with Omar. I can have a beer or a conversation and it's this wonderful thing, but it's also an incredible achievement. Yeah. 
Yes. And, you know, we were just in Costa Rica and uh, Bruno Broken was there. Tom Sanders were there, like uh, Hall of Fame. Omar was there. And then Amy Shimalecki also just got inducted into the, is going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. She was there. And, and then Rich was like, we should just, or Omar, I think we should just call it the Hall of Fame boogie. You know, <laughs> Craig was there. Craig also you know, was there. Oh, that guy? Oh, that's fantastic. That's two Hall of Famers under one roof. That's got to be, mm-hmm. uh, are, are you uh, either trying to be magnanimous or are you fighting egos? <laughs> so uh as we as we get towards the end of the podcast first off if somebody wants to follow everything that you've got going whether it's your personal uh stuff or it's the team how do they follow you on social media uh and if they want to come jump with you how do they do that so um so for me i mean i'm on facebook eliana rodriguez and on uh i just got on instagram (laughs) eliana (laughs) Dash Rodriguez dash smiles. <laughs> um, and uh, I um, I'm also um, on the high, you know, on the highlight pro skydiving team, you know, we have our Facebook page as well that you can reach us at and um, or Eliana Rodriguez smiles at gmail.com. Um, if you wanted to come out and do some, you know, get some coaching or cool. uh, an event or, or anything like that. <laughs> and you're coaching full time in Arizona. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I travel for coaching as well, but you know, this is my home base and in the wintertime, it's the best weather ever. <laughs> nice, nice. So if there's a drop zone out there with half a dozen or a dozen people that want to do a coaching course with you, they can send you an email and bring you to them, but they can also go to Arizona to jump with you. Yes, yes. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Eliana, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time this morning to sit down and talk with me. It sounds like it sounds like you're just getting started in a career that's been going for 26 years. I mean, holy shit. I'm, I'm blown away. That's the the beauty of skydiving. You know, there's so many different areas that you can focus on and you can, you can always get better at something. You can always learn so many more areas that I, that I'm not good at and that I, I, I need to get better at. Sure. Well, and with heroes like uh, Lou Sanborn, who I believe just stopped jumping not that long ago, it's there's a lot of longevity in this sport and skydivers tend to take pretty good care of themselves. So I have a feeling you've got a lot more coming. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. You have yourself a great day. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.